Hello and welcome to Five Alive. It's so wonderful to have you clicking along with us today. We absolutely are so thankful to be able to worship the Lord together on this podcast. And that was a little lead in into what we're going to be discussing today, which is worship. We're going to be talking about how we as Christians are to be worshiping the Lord. And we're going to talk about how we express that. We momentarily talked last week about picking up uh, love and putting it into action specifically for ourselves, and I'd like to now talk about how we can focus our attention today on worship. As a refresher, we express our love with obedience, by giving, food, drink, clothing, time, money, by serving, by gathering together with those you love and with sacrifice. And a verbal expression is also a way that we show love. Verbal expression to your parents, your siblings, your spouse, your kids, your extended family, and friends is important or else they may think that you do not love them. This is not one of those scenarios like the old story goes of the man who had been married to his wife for 50 years and she starts wondering after they've been married for 50 years, do you still love me? And he says to her, I told you the day we got married and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. That's not the way life really works. In fact, I have three children. They all love differently and they all receive love differently. As a result, I'd like to talk about my youngest who's sitting here at the table with us today. And something she used to do when she was younger was she used to say about every hour on the hour, I love you. I love you. And now that she's older, she still does the same thing. She still says, I love you. I love you. And if we don't respond, she's like, what? You don't like me? You don't love me right now? And of course, Our response is always, my response is always, Blair's response is always, Xavier's response is always, of course, Mallory, I love you and I like you. Similarly, we have a God who created us, who formed us, who sustains us, who provides for us, and he deserves our love. And that love that we express for him is called worship. So our worship is not just about singing a song. It's not about attending a church service, even though in the 21st century, the 20th century, we started calling it worship service. And we started calling our song services praise and worship. These are not the only ways that we worship the Lord. In fact, we get a little idea of how we can worship the Lord In one of the Psalms, Psalm number 150, Blair has that for us today. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet and sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Everything everything that has breath praise the Lord. Worship 
is something that we do with our whole being. If we look at ourselves as three persons, if we look at ourselves as mind, body, and soul, then we worship God in all three of these persons that encompass us as a human being. And another way that we worship God is with our five senses. And so when we're worshiping God, what are the five senses that we can use in order to worship him? And can you give me an example of those five senses. One of those five senses. We can use the sense of taste to worship God through communion. See, see that the Lord is good. You can also taste and see the Lord is good. That's right, you can. How do you see? You didn't answer the see, you just said see that the Lord is good. Okay, how? With your eyes. See what the Lord has done for you. Look at all the amazing things he's done in your life. I mean, the earth that he has created is magnificent. And the way that we are developed inside of our mother's womb. Each and every one of us is magnificent. So we can see the Lord is good. Excellent. All the time. All the time. God is good. Here, you can hear the words of the Lord through prayer and worship. Definitely. Very good. We have sight, we have hearing, and we have taste. We've got two more. Touch and smell. How do you touch the Lord? You can't physically touch the Lord, but you can mentally touch the Lord. Well, oh, how you about can touch the Lord by serving Him and doing things for other people? Yes, that oh. is definitely a very good sure. touch point for the Lord. So we've mentioned four of our five senses, and we've done an excellent job. Great answers. I want to elaborate a little bit more on these and add the last one, which is the sense of smell. I'll start there first. One of the ways that we can worship the Lord with our sense of smell is with incense. We see throughout the Bible that they utilize incense in the worship experience, and this is one of the ways that we can worship the Lord is by providing incense. Incense. They also provided often a burnt offering, which was a sweet incense unto the Lord or a sweet smell unto the Lord. So by sacrifice, that was one of the things they did. Of course, we don't sacrifice animals or grain offerings or even pour out drink offerings anymore. However, we can utilize the smelling oils that we have today and we put them in a little diffuser or we can light a candle um, that has a nice smell or again incense is a part of it this is a part of our worship because it not only ignites our senses but it also brings the presence of the lord into the house of which we're in i worship the lord xavier was talking about with taste i'm going to refer to it more as in the mouth we sing We speak publicly, we pray publicly or privately, we use our mouth in order to do these prayers. Often we do pray in our mind or in our head on our inner side, but we also on occasion need to utilize our mouths in order to speak out worship unto the Lord. Blair mentioned our sight and how we see things, that God's beautiful creation, the creation of people, creation of our own family, our brothers, our sisters, our parents, our own children. These are ways that we can worship the Lord with our eyes. Where I look and what I consume my time looking at is a way that I worship the Lord, reading uplifting books, songs, blogs, social media posts, 
These are ways that I can worship the Lord. And notice that that then starts encompassing all of my life. It's not just when I'm in a physical place of religious worship, but this is all of the time. How do I see others? That was another point that Blair brought out, is how am I looking at others? I worship him with my ears. Who I listen to, what I listen to, is it music? Is it the way people are talking? How am I processing that information? Do I listen to God? Does he speak to me? If he speaks to me, then all of a sudden, several people nowadays would say, oh, you're crazy. God doesn't speak to anybody, but he does speak to us. Am I worshiping him well enough with my ears that I can hear him? And the last one is touch. There's so many different ways that we can touch. Xavier brought out the fact that how we um, serve others is a way that we can touch God. But there's so many others. Perhaps I remove my shoes whenever I walk into the holy place because I am standing on holy ground. Therefore, that is a way of touching. Maybe I bow down and get on my knees and I don't just sit in a chair or stand, but I actually get flat on my face before the Lord. It is a way that I can touch him. Uh, how I, maybe I raise my hands and worship unto the Lord. This doesn't just have to happen during a fancy song where it's gone from a pianissimo type of a melody that is really nice and soothing. And then all of a sudden this big crescendo comes in and everybody starts raising their hands. That's not the only time that we have to raise our hands. We can worship the Lord by raising our hands in complete silence. The way I dress is a way that I can bring worship to the Lord. Tithing and giving is a way that I can worship the Lord. And with my hands and my job is another way that I worship the Lord. These are all ways that I worship the Lord. Worship's more than a feel-good song or an I'm sorry song that you listen to on your Spotify or iTunes playlist. Though these can get us in an attitude of worship, it's more important for us to recognize that that is just a minute part of worship. To be in a live service where the music goes, again, like I said before, from a light melodious, good words, and then it crescendos and everybody starts to feel good. This is normally an experience specifically for the worship leader themselves, because then they feel like, oh, I got everybody energized and I did a really good job. And it's a way for them to pat themselves on their back if they can get everybody involved in singing a song. It's electrifying in the audience because then everybody kind of feels this, this, um, momentum and this unity on occasion or for the duration of that song. And so it's a feel good to electrify the audience and it makes you feel good about yourself. But this isn't what worship is. Worship is not a way to help you feel better about yourself or feel like you're special enough to be in God's presence. Worship is honor, adoration, praise of our creator, provider, sustainer, savior. The only thing, the only object that I am during a moment of worship is to be a vessel, drawing complete attention away from myself and giving it to God alone. And worship does not only happen in a holy place. When I say that we are just vessels of worship, what kind of imagery does that draw up for you? A cup or a pot or a bowl mm. or a vase as vessels of Christ. And as long as we continually pursue Christ, he will continually fill us up. And so an overflowing 
vessel like a cup, so like a cup under a faucet that just continues to overflow with water, or even certain lakes have rivers within them mm -hmm. that is separate from the lake, but at the same time they're the same, and it's just a constant source of water flowing into them. Mm -hmm. And so that's another form of vessel to think of. Another vessel, this one's going to be technical. Uh-oh. Computer that continues to accumulate data and more and more and more and more. But the data we're accumulating is God. Hmm. And we continue to accumulate that over and over and over and over and over. And it learns, we're the computer and we're learning who Christ is through our algorithm that he has programmed us to be. Never heard it described that way. Yeah, rid out the cookies. Get rid of the cookies. Get rid of the cookies. Those are sad. The cache. The cache. Captchas. Yeah. <laughs> Name three spotlights. Can you find the three tractors in this? <laughs> I'm not a robot. Blair, you used to play an instrument in high school. You were really good at it. Mm -hmm. I did. Were you the only person in the band? No, you needed the whole band in order to bring the sound and the intensity of the band itself. And we worked together. Yeah, yeah. And um, did everybody play the same instrument as you? Absolutely not. And uh, what instrument did you play? I played the clarinet. If you had a uh, key stick, they're keys, right? On the clarinet? If you had a pad fall off, Right. There you go. Of one of your keys. Yeah. What would happen to the sound of the clarinet? <laughs> it wouldn't work. <laughs> okay. At all. It's like, I mean, you, you can't. And if if my reed broke, yeah. you can forget about me playing. Yeah. So it, it, these things had to be very manicured and on tune mm -hmm. and the tightening of our, of the reed and all. That way we're all on pitch. So you had to... We had warm, warm up, up. Mm -hmm. and run through some scales. Absolutely. Before the performance, if you will. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how could this relate to our worship of God in the sense that that clarinet brought honor to the whole band, yet you aren't individually spotlighted mm -hmm. in order to bring honor to that band? Right. Well, worship is more than going and gathering together with people. That's one of the aspects of a coming together to worship, but we also need to do our due diligence in worshiping God on our own as well. Yeah. And making sure that we're prepared uh, mentally and physically and spiritually to come before the Lord with our worship. And that's through daily reading God's word. That's through praying and, and speaking with him and being in tune, so to say, mm -hmm. but being in tune with Christ that, he is our go-to. He is our everything. He is the one whom we, we turn to for, for worship in all aspects of life. Yeah. That way we're not doing it completely in vain and trying to be the solo artist mm. because we need everyone. It's not just one of us that's chosen to go to heaven and to be with Christ. It's not just one of us that is chosen to be, well, I'm going to be such a good, good Christian that I'm going to sit on the right-hand side of God. It, alongside with Jesus. No, 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 no. We're all going to be worshiping Christ together, all in one accord. Yeah. So it's working together. It's yeah. not at us versus them. 
and them versus us. It's a togetherness. Yeah. And that is, uh, that is a relationship with Christ. That is worshiping Christ. Is It's a togetherness. Well, that's what I like that you said that about the instrument being prepared because you have to make sure that it's in full working order before you're gathered together with the rest of the cohesive band. And this is something that we neglect in the church sometimes, sometimes maybe too often, is, is that that individual worship time is missing. And so when we gather corporately all together in a live service, it may seem like, man, that was really cool. That went really well. And then as soon, maybe as soon as you arrived at church, you were fighting and you were angry and you were out of tune and you got the opportunity to be in tune with the Lord there in worship service. Yet for whatever humanistic reason that we all do, as soon as we walk out of the doors of the church, we all of a sudden revert back to the same attitude that we had when we walked into church. Well, I mean, along with the clarinet description, after the usage of the clarinet, you know, when you're taking it apart and putting it back into your case, mm. you have to put the spit rag in and to clean out all the spit. That way it's thoroughly cleaned before putting it back into your case. And then when you're... That, that way the, the spit isn't corroding mm. all the parts. So you, you got to make sure that, that the spit cloth is is clean mm -hmm. and you're cleaning it out. And then and like and then whenever you're putting the clarinet together, there's corks that you have to rub this special thing around it in order to make the, the corks all going together. And I remember like my corks would start coming off. But you had to have money in order to get those corks replaced. And it cost a lot. And sure, you can still kind of play the clarinet, but you're not going to get that great quality sound if all the pieces are not all functioning and together. Um, so it's always important to, to take care of the instrument itself. Mm -hmm. And sure, sometimes you're going to crack a reed and you can figure out ways in order to make the sound quality good. But in order to perfect it, it is you've got to have a, a nice clean read yeah. and make sure that it's properly licked and sped upon and all of that. But once you, anyways, once you pack that clarinet back up and you put it into its case, it's not like it goes on the shelf and then you never practice it again. You've got to get it back out and practice it. And there are, and you have to go through each step again. You've got to, you know, make sure the cork is okay in order to properly put the clarinet together and then, you know, then once you're done practicing, you know, taking it all back apart, you make sure you got to do the spit rag and all that again. So, I mean, it, it's a process. Mm -hmm. It's not just a, hey, I'm going to pull this out and I'm going to play. It's not that easy. Yeah. And it's not that easy with any instrument. Correct. And I think of two things that you just brought out there is, is that it's costly to get the corks replaced. It's costly to buy more reeds when one breaks or if a pad falls off or any kind of instrumental refurbishment that needs to take place because of, say, an accident that happens screws, or screws, screws need to be continued <laughs> tightened and oiled and all of these things. And it costs it costs something. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing with our worship. Our worship actually costs something. It's a sacrifice that we're giving honor and praise unto the Lord. If we're walking in and nonchalantly just being able to sing a song 
on a Sunday and then walk out of a church service and not continue in worship in the Lord throughout the week or not even sacrificing anything when we walk into that service on that Sunday, our worship may not be within the right context of what true worship to God is because there's no sacrifice taking place. Another thing that you said there is, as you were talking about, in that alone time, you have to continue to prepare. Mm -hmm. And so what our Sunday altogether congregational worship service that we talked about several weeks ago um, is so important within Christian life, a part of that is that individual time that we spend worshiping God with no one else around, not being told by you know, somebody, hey, did you worship the Lord today? Hey, did you worship the Lord today? How did you worship the Lord today? These are self-reflective things that we've got to continue to keep the instrument, which is us, our body, in complete sacrificial worship unto the Lord, which is something we read about in Romans chapter 12, verses one through two. There's also another time that I remember Jesus is talking And he's in somebody's house. The man's name is Lazarus. And he had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And uh, Martha was wanting Mary to come help her in the kitchen. And Jesus says, Martha, why are you always so worried? Mary's doing what's right. She's worshiping at my feet. And what was she doing? Jesus was talking. And was she singing to Jesus while she was there? I don't think so. Was she talking to him and praying to him while he was sitting there teaching? I don't think so. I think what she was doing was she was sitting in utter silence and in complete awe of how awesome God is. That can be our worship style throughout the week that puts us in tune for that great gathering that we get to do when we gather together in the live worship. Is there anything else about um, worship that you guys want to bring up before we get into these passages of scripture and uh, maybe we'll just get, get into them here, but is there anything I don't want to miss anybody? First passage of scripture will be found in Matthew chapter four, verses one through 10. That is you, Xavier. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, It is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said unto him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. In this passage of scripture, what do you see Jesus revealing worship to be? Not giving into temptation. Yeah, that is definitely one of our ways of worshiping the Lord is exactly that. You see anything else? To read all of God's word in its context and not take it out of context. Because in this, the Satan was using scripture against Jesus, but Jesus was using other scripture in its entirety 
to combat the lies that the devil was using against us. Yeah. And so the way we can overcome this and worship God is by fully reading and understanding God and who he is by studying the scriptures. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of these questions that I have are reading portion uh, can be quite long like this. We just read 10 verses of a passage of scripture is because I want the full context to be there before we ask the question because I could easily pick and choose what I wanted uh, to be said from this passage of scripture and your answer is not going to be as thorough as it is right now as a result. But yet it it could feed my appetite and my ego because you said exactly what I wanted you to say. The, the reality is, is, as you're saying, Xavier, is, is that Jesus shows us that by understanding God's word in its entirety and in an improper context is definitely a way we worship him. The last verse, I think, really speaks uh, volumes there. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. We serve a jealous God and that's not a, a topic that a lot of people like to bring up. We serve a God that wants us to worship him and worship him alone. He doesn't want us to worship our spouse. He doesn't want us to worship our children. He doesn't want us to worship how many likes we get on a social media status or how many views we get on our TikTok video. He wants us to be consumed with love and worship of him. And that's a way that we worship him. John chapter 4, verses 19 through 26. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Who does the Father seek to worship him? Us. All those who believe. Hmm. Are there any limitations? No. No, only the fact that salvation comes through the Jews. But that's not a limitation. That's where it begins. Then from there, it branches out, and then it doesn't end. Never ends. It's a ray. It starts at one point and continues all throughout. And then I have one more thing. Like, I was reading a book last week, and it really frustrated me because the guy keeps on talking about different mythologies throughout the world, and he specifically tries to refer to uh, Christians who have a desire to worship Jesus as Lord and Savior. He continuously said in this book that Jesus never called himself Messiah and never asked people to worship him. And yet, John chapter 4, verses 25 and 26 is a direct contradiction to that man's assertions. His name was Joseph Campbell. The name of the book is The Hero with a Thousand Faces. And what the book, The Hero with a Thousand Faces, really does show is that there is, as the woman said, within every culture of this world, within every segment of this world's society, there is a desire 
for a savior, a hero, if you will, to come along and to set the people free. And Jesus specifically says in verse 26, I am he. I am the savior. I am the hero. I am the one that you need today. There's no limitation. There's no uh, progressive way to achieve salvation in Christ. Like I have to correct this and then this, and I have to worship this way, and then he'll accept me. Jesus is accepting this woman at the well who has had five husbands. The man she's with right now is not even the her husband. She may have even been a prostitute. Like he didn't tell her, now go clean up your life and then I will accept you. No, there's no limitations other than the limitation that we set on ourselves. Jesus does not require anything of us when it comes to worship. And I think that's so important for us to recognize. Next passage of scripture is found in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 10 through 16. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place is by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of lips, and acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Is it as simply enough to hear God in your heart in moments of solitude? Yes. yes. It is enough. Yes. Why or why not? It is enough to hear Christ speak, to hear God speak. Because he is enough in and of himself. Right. And when it's done, it's done. Yeah. We don't need to have such high expectations from the Lord every time that he's going to always do something elaborate and everything like that. Right. He doesn't have to prove himself to us. Right. Because he already is. Exactly. Exactly. When is the right time to praise God? All, All the, the time. time. <laughs> right now. Yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Right now is the right time. Go ahead and stub <laughs> your toe and praise God. Right. Drop well, papers. Drop praise papers. the Lord. Praise the Lord. Drop water everywhere. Praise the Lord. Try to take the pressure cooker thing oh, off. Yeah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Cutting vegetables accidentally nick yourself. Praise, praise the, the Lord. Lord. There's a snake in the house. Praise the Lord. <laughs> There's frogs coming up through the drain. Praise, praise the Lord. The Lord. I've been plagued. <laughs> the next passage of scripture is found in 1 Peter chapter 2. It's verses 7 through 10. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which <laughs> the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense even to them which stumble 
at the word being disobedient or unto also they were appointed but ye are chosen generation a priesthood in holy nation a peculiar people that show forth the praises of him who hath called you of darkness into his marvelous light which in time past were not a people but are now the people of god which had not obtained obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy why is it important to praise the lord he's called us out of darkness mm. we love him yeah we love him say that again we love him i think it's amazing that he calls us a royal priesthood yeah not only are we royalty but we're also priests and priests are pretty high up too I mean, because that's what Jesus was. Mm -hmm. He was more than just the Messiah that was to come. He was the king plus the priest. And the king wasn't allowed to do the priestly duties at all, ever. I mean, uh, Saul got in trouble for doing that. Right. But Jesus is allowed to, and through him we are allowed to do the same in enacting priestly duties as well as royal duties. But can't let that get to our heads. <laughs> Right. I always liked uh, peculiar people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because at the same time, right. we're that. We're strange. Mm -hmm. And and someone's always going to call you, well, you're weird or you're different or, you know, you just don't fit in. Well, I just don't understand you. And it's like, that's okay because God sees me as peculiar and I fit in with God. Yeah. And that's a moment of worship. Mm -hmm. You're weird. Praise God. Praise I'm God. Weird. I'm weird. Right. <laughs> you see me as weird. That's great. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Alrighty. And the last passage of scripture is found in Psalm 103, verses 1 through 14. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions for us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. We're young like the eagles. God's given us strength. I know. Like eagles. To endure. The question I asked is how many different reasons are mentioned in this portion of psalm 103 to praise the lord so 13, many 14, 15, I don't know, a lot there's a lot 25 
so let me ask it this way instead. Do we have? Did three? you count them all? Do you no. give us? Do you give us? I like mean, I did three? back in the day, but do no. you give us like three answers? No. Here, choose one through a hundred. It's either twenty-five, ten. I don't know where to look seven. at on your face. Separate. There you go. <laughs> now I can see you. <laughs> so, according to Psalm one hundred three, what location? Is it mandatory for me to worship the Lord? Every, every location. There's no mandatory location. Okay. Do, where do we have to, do we have to take, uh, like, once in our life, do we have to go to one particular place on this planet in order to uh, appease God and worship? No. no. Because, you know, a lot of religions you do, you have to go to this one particular place if you're going to be a faithful or orthodox uh, uh, member of that religion. And that's, but not in Christianity. There's no specific place we have to go to worship the Lord. All of the earth is his footstool, which means everywhere here we can worship him. There's no place on the planet that it's not allowed. Can you worship, not to be gross, but to be very honest, can you worship the Lord in the washroom? Yes. Yes. Or in the bathroom? Yes. yes. Yeah. Can you can you worship the Lord in the kitchen? Yes. Can you worship the Lord while you're washing your car? Yes. yes. There's no limit. No limit to where we can worship the Lord. But what is so important for us to recognize is that worship is honor, adoration, and praise of our creator, provider, sustainer, and savior. The only thing... I'm supposed to do when I'm in a moment of worship is to take all attention and selfish desire for myself and instead give complete adoration to God. In other words, in a worship service, it's not about how good I can sing. It's not about how much money I put into the offering box. Remember when she said that last week or two weeks ago, the offering box. It's not about putting how much money I put into the offering box. It's not, it's not about how many people said hello to me today. And it's not about did I sit in somebody else's seat. And it's all about God. Specifically, it's all about our Savior. Are we giving him due praise with our mouths, with our bodies, with our ears, with our eyes? with our smell? That's the question. That's what true worship is. And anybody that tells you any differently and tries to solidify it out into one little area and isolate that area as the only way of true worship, be wary of those people because they are trying to get something from you and they're trying to keep you from the Lord. That's why we read Matthew chapter four is because that's what the devil did. He tried to isolate Jesus out, turn this stone into bread. He took him up to a pinnacle and isolated him out. If you jump from here, the angels will come. He tried to isolate it out. And when people try and tell you how to worship, if they don't give you the freedom to worship the Lord with your dance, with your song, with your artwork, with your poetry, with your job, even if your job is something that seems minute and extremely detailed to the point where it's something that you love and everybody else thinks is peculiar, if that's how you worship the Lord, take honor in that because your job is a way that we worship the Lord.
and don't let anybody tell you differently because they are trying to destroy you. Let's honor and worship the Lord the rest of this week with all that we are and everywhere that we go. Mallory, will you close us in prayer? Thank you, Jesus, for today and for every single day. And we will worship you every single day and that we will have a great day all the time. And Jesus never pray. Amen. Amen. You can follow us on social media. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. You can find us Five Alive Depot. Ask us questions. Make some comments. We appreciate you. Five Alive out.